It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 216, entitled To Bob or Not to Bob. It was recorded on Monday the 11th of July 2022. My name is Nathan Wrigley and I will be joined by some special guests, one of whom only manages to drop in for a few moments, that's Bob Don. We don't really even get to hear from him, but he's there for a moment. But I am joined on a more permanent basis by Kathy Zant, by Courtney Robertson and by Jen Herries. We're here to talk about WordPress, so of course that's what we're going to do. The first thing I mention is a new plugin which I'm really, really excited about. It's called WP Codebox, so I'm just giving a shout out to that plugin. Hopefully you'll go and explore it. Then we talk about the fact that WordPress's performance team are proposing developing a new plugin to help you check your code to make sure it is performant. Then we talk about the fact that in the near future you'll be able to lock down and customize the Gutenberg experience and there's a piece which we link to which shows how you might be able to do that. Then we talk about Web3. What is it? Is it any good? Does it have any uses? Is it just a load of nonsense? Well, you'll see what we think. Envato have shut down one of their products called Envato Studio. It's a bit of a sad day for those people who've built up reputation there, but it is going away in the next month. Then we get into a whole load of conversations about what it's like to be a freelancer. What kind of amazing benefits can you gain as a freelance employee? And we talk also about a podcast episode that I did with Alex Standiford, who is living out of a camper van and living the dream. And then finally, I mention a new project that I've done with Bob Don. It's a new podcast and you can find out about it later in the episode. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP Builds. Hello, 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 hello. It's this week in WordPress number 216. There are four of us on the screen, but something leads me to believe that there's a lurking Bob somewhere. Is he? Is he? Yes, Bob, he's with us, but he's still trying to get his equipment straight. But he is there, so he's having terrible problems getting in. The platform has been horrific for him. So um, anyway, episode number 216. I am really delighted today. We've got five on the show, which is really, really great. Bob's probably just going to keep coming in and going, going out as he figures out how the, this particular piece of software works. But uh, let's go Let's go round the clock and uh, see who we've got with us today. I'm going to start. There's no particular order to this, but I'm just going to go round and say, first of all, hello to Kathy Zant. How are you, Kathy? Doing very well. Thanks for having me on again, Nathan. You are more than welcome. I love having you on. I'm going to do the uh, going to do the introductions myself because I like doing that bit. Kathy Zant is a product manager for Cadence at Stella WP, but she also dabbled in security and hacker culture. We've got a little bit about something about that later. Uh, she's helped organize both WordCamp Phoenix and WordCamp US and WordFest Live. Kathy, just before we go on to anybody else, are you involved in the team organizing WordCamp US this time around? I got a few things going on, so I'm not going to be able to do it this oh. year, but hoping that I can make it to San Diego, just, you know, 
pop my head in somewhere. Did you manage to get a ticket? That's the question. I watched people scrambling to get tickets, and that was like my popcorn moment for WordCamp US. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to make it, so I wanted to make sure that everybody who was starving for a ticket could get one, so I didn't yeah. take one. Yeah, we were saying last week, I just nipped out to do some basic minor task and then came back and it was like, oh, okay, I won't be going there then. <laughs> just all, all disappeared before my eyes. It was ridiculous. But uh, anyway, thank you for joining us today. We'll move around. We'll go next to Courtney. Courtney Robertson, how are you doing, Courtney? Hello, I am well this Monday morning, at least Monday in the States. Feature in the blue there. It's looking really nice. Yeah, check yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do the introduction for you as well, if that's all right. Courtney Robertson is a web designer and developer advocate at GoDaddy Pro. She contributes to WordPress as a co-rep on the Make WP training team. We'll be talking about that a bit later as well. Um, the team that makes content for learn.wordpress.org. She has a vast background in teaching WordPress development in schools, in boot camps. When not at a computer, she can be found working on her large vegetable garden or playing her seven string. Whoa, hang on. I've not seen this line before. 11 string electric violin. No, I refuse to believe that that I instrument exists. Is that for real? Do you want me I to? I want to see it. Okay. All right. I want to Like, they have four. <laughs> to me, when it's got five or more strings, it's no longer a violin. It's a check. Nope, no, no. It's electric. Wow. It's it looks, electric. That is so cool. That is that, cool. This is not the one. I have a goal of uh, getting one day a wood violin, Viper violin. So it is. Um, what is the company that makes it? And you would have seen it if you've ever watched Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Um, the founder that created those violins, he makes those and people recognize them because of that flying V shape. Yeah. My current one is more like a learner quality and a learner price tag for seven strings because I know how to play four. I'm learning the extra three that go down into the bass range. So I have the full orchestra contingent. Cameron Jones, he's nailed it. But it's a it's a uke. It's a uke on steroids, he's saying. <laughs> Tune to the circle of fifths just like the rest of the orchestra would be. And that that went under your chin, right? Because it looked yeah. to me almost like you'd be playing it like a guitar with you. Ah yeah, just wow. look. <gasps> Honestly, yeah. the WP community has many hidden talents. I've just learned that Courtney can play an, an instrument which I didn't know existed. So that's kind of <laughs> Uh, right, let's go next to let's go next to Jen Harris. Um, Jen, how are you doing? Well, I I used to play a four string violin, but that was a long time ago. I yes. definitely can't do it. Do seven. Yes, my uh, my claim to fame is I own a swanee whistle. I don't know if you've ever seen a swanee whistle. It's like this. It sounds like a duck. You sort of pull this thing and it's and you don't you know basically you can't possibly get a tune out of it. So no talent required. Perfect. Um, anyway, Jen is a WordPress developer. A11Y advocate or A11Y advocate, organizer of the Baltimore WordPress meetup and educator. You just took over. We were just talking before the call began. You you actually began your organizing of WordCamp Baltimore during COVID, which by the sounds of it, you're really enjoying the online aspect of it. Yeah. We, uh, they, we, there's no real WordCamps going on. And besides, even if there were, do you have any idea how much <laughs> organizing has to go into a WordCamp? Uh, just regular meetups. 
Are you, uh, but you're st- you're enjoying it, and you want to keep it online. You don't want to take it off back into I, the real world. I now have people who attend um, from Europe and also from Australia. Nice. So I I have no intention of taking it away from Zoom. Cool. Well, that's bucking the trend, but I like it. If that's what you want to do and it's working for you, that's great. Final one. He's made it in is Bob Don. Tell us, Bob, just before I introduce you, what happened there? What was going on? It's all your fault, Nathan. <laughs> it's always my fault. Let's just blame Nathan. It's, it, I, I'm guessing you got caught in a recapture loop or something like that. No, it's that. I'm not sure what it is, but it was. It, it just, it was a loop. That was it. Your um, your audio is kind of phasing a little bit. It's not really phasing. We're sort of like missing little bits of the word. So I don't know if you want to just, there's a little cogwheel under the uh, screen. Have a little look in there and see what you do. But whilst, whilst you do that, I'll introduce you properly. Bob Don. Uh, Bob is a podcaster and producer over at dothewoo.io. He's a long-time, a long-time WordPresser. WordPresser. And, and in his and spare in his time, spare he time, likes to he talk likes to... about, well, he's written it here. He says he likes to talk about shit. And we'll get on to that. A little bit later. Uh, I am Nathan Wrigley. Uh, oh, my, oh audio. my audio. Can you all hear that weird echo? Bob, I'm going to mute you for a minute. Because uh, I think whatever you're doing, the audio... I've got this like really strange... Well, it's gone now. But there was a really, really strange uh, audio thing. I don't know if I can mute you, actually. Yes, I can. I'm going to mute you for a moment, and then I'll give you a minute to figure out your audio, and then I'll, I'll bring you back in. Honestly, the vagaries of technology. We are not here to drone on about that, though. Let's talk about WordPress, shall we? First thing to say is this is our website, wpbuilds.com. Head over there. You can subscribe to the stuff that we do. We do this show every Monday, 2 p.m. UK time. comes out tomorrow as a podcast. And then we do the podcast, the normal stuff, comes out on a Thursday. So if you click this little link just here, this little subscribe link just about there, then you can find out and stay updated and all of that good stuff. Okay, before we crack on, let's see if there's any comments dropped in because there usually is at this point. There's a few people saying hi. Rob Cairn says good morning. Hello, Rob. Nice to have you with us. Uh, (laughs) Says here, Bob, uh, this is why Bob does not like live shows. Yeah, so it would seem. Um, This is, is this Beth? Hello, Beth. How are you doing? That's nice to see you again once more. Peter Ingersoll, happy Monday to you all. What a great panel we have today. Yeah, four of them are pretty good. And then there's me. Um, Ah, look at that. She's getting all, all right, Beth, that's fine. You got a ticket. No, 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 no. (laughs) I want one. Um, Maya is here from Good Ed Pro. Um, hello, everyone, she says. So is Adam. Adam Warner, also from GoDaddy Pro. Music in WordPress, there's all sorts of... Yeah, Echo, sorry about that, Adam. I think it might be Bob's stuff going on there. And look, hello, 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 hello. hello. Hopefully that's now fixed. And Peter says that he attended Baltimore, and Jen is great. Yeah. There you go. The heart for WP Meetup will remain virtual with probably occasional in-person. Do you know, uh, do you know Peter? Jen? Yeah, he's he's been to my meetup before. Nice. Virtually. It's yeah. great. Cool. Okay, let's crack into it, shall we? First thing we'll talk about this week is I just want to highlight a new plugin that I've come across. It is very, very rare that I do this. Uh, in fact, I honestly can't remember a time when I just singled out a plugin for mention on this show. But I, uh, I came across this one uh, because of a video that my friend David Wormsley did. He's got a YouTube channel. And uh, and he'd mentioned this plugin, and I took a look, and I thought, eh. And then I watched his video, and I thought, oh, 
blimey, what am I missing out on? Can I just recommend, if you've never seen this before, just go and have a look. It's called WP Codebox, and it's at wpcodebox.com. It is blooming amazing. It allows you to uh, put conditional CSS and JavaScript and all sorts of stuff inside your WordPress website. Basically, it's trying to encourage people to dabble a little bit in code with code snippets. So rather than downloading a plugin for something which there may be a snippet for, they're encouraging people to go out and try and find load, load get a snippet, paste it in, and then you can upload it to their cloud, and then you can take it around with you to every WordPress website that you've got. And you can do things like, for example, you can put CSS on conditional pages. So you might say, for example, okay, just show it on singles of this particular uh, custom post type and so on. I'm not really selling it very well because the, the fact of the matter is it is, as, it is really deep and it does an awful lot of stuff. So there's nothing in it for me. Just, I just think it's super cool. WPCodebox.com. Go and check it out. Now, I'm not really expecting anybody on the panel to comment on this, but I don't know if anybody of you, any of you have played with this, and if so, want to talk about it. If not, I'll just move on having mentioned it, and, uh, and that's that. I haven't played with this one in particular. I've used other code snippet plugins. Um, what seems kind of interesting to this one is that it looks like when you have your code box set up that you can implement the code on multiple sites. Um, whereas before the code snippets plugins I've used, you just drop it into that one interface. This is more helping you store that to make use of it, I think. on multiple. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head and thank you for pointing that out. I think probably like all the snippets plugins that you've used before where it was just one installation of it and you had to migrate those elsewhere it comes with a with a a, uh, a cloud it's built in there's no additional fee for that if you've got the plugin you've got the cloud because after all it is literally tiny strings of text you know there's no images or video or anything being backed up and so you can sync it you can choose to put them within different folders and so on and so forth and then right you you go to a site and you install the plug in, it will sync all those folders and you just tick ones and say, okay, download this snippet and enforce it with these conditions. Um, but also they've got a growing snippet library, which isn't vast at the minute because the plugin's pretty new. But the principle would be that in the future they're going to vet their own little snippet library to so that hopefully you'll be able to log in uh, with your account and and have absolutely loads to play with already. I think what it's trying to do is find a happy ground between those who are like really serious developers and those people who've been working with page builders for a long time who haven't really explored anywhere in between. And if their page builder doesn't do it, they probably go and find a plugin. And if there's no plugin available, that's maybe the end of that journey. Whereas this is encouraging people to sort of dig in. It's got autocomplete, so it's got autocomplete for CS and um, PHP, but also all the hooks and functions and things uh, within WordPress as well. It's wicked cool. And it would appear that Peter agrees because he just wrote WP Codebox is amazing. The developer is highly engaged with his users and adding features all the time. Thank you, Peter. That's Appreciate it. Same. Yeah. Anybody else want to talk about that one or should we just crack on with the normal news? Well, hey, Jason. Bob, I can tell you're speaking, but something is not enjoying. I wonder, Bob, 
If you have any ad blockers or you've got anything in your browser which might be kind of taking traffic and ruining it somehow, um, the other option, Bob, would be to refresh because you should be able to just drop right back in, and I'll and we'll see if that works because at the moment it's uh, the audio is a total mess. Yeah, he's gone. Let's hope he comes back. I really hope he comes back. Okay, in that case, let's go on to the next one. Uh, the bits that I've highlighted in yellow are usually the bits that I think are most important. And uh, let's see, let's see if you guys agree. So this is Sarah Gooding on WP Tavern. It's the fifth of July. This is cool. WordPress performance team proposes developing a new plugin checker tool. And the summary is as follows: WordPress plugin, sorry, WordPress performance team, and it's that team. Make a note of that. The performance team is kickstarting a proposal, so that's all it is, for developing a plugin checker tool similar to the theme check-in plugin, check plugin rather, which ensures themes are meeting the latest standards and best practice. Um, the performance team is proposing building a different kind of plugin that would uh, flag any violations of the plugin development requirements and best practices with errors and warnings. And the idea as enumerated by Felix Arntz, who's on the performance team, and he works for Google, so he knows his stuff, is to provide plugin developers with feedback on requirements and best practices during development, provide the WordPress.org plugin review team with an additional automated tool to identify certain problems or weaknesses, and provide technical site owners with a tool to assess plugins based on those requirements and best practices. In other words, just make things as performant as possible. And the face of it, What's wrong with a proposal like this? Well, there's a few people who've got concerns. If you do click on the show notes and you find this article, you'll see there's a few developers who are concerned and in some cases really concerned that uh, if it starts to impose certain requirements on developers and they can't go their own way, then that could be catastrophic. For example, Josh Pollock, who is extremely well-known, says if this helps all caps plugin developers, then fine. But if it's used as a weapon to insist on standards, check this sentence out. I suspect this will be a nail in WP's coffin, which is quite a thing to say when you think about it. So I've enumerated what this is. I'm just going to, as we always do, free for all, everybody yell and just bot in, in and talk over each other and all that good stuff. Hell, okay, go for it. <laughs> well, I think it's it's an interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a, what over is it fifty thousand, sixty thousand plugins in the repo, and maintaining code quality for all of them or monitoring it is a big job. So any tools that the plugins team can get to help them identify issues and make sure that coding practices are at a certain level is a good thing. Um, I think the plugins team could probably stand to have more volunteers on it, but it looks, you know, they've, they've kind of kept it to a very small core team. Um, but there's always going to have to be some kind of manual review of these types of things. I don't think it can fully be automated, but having additional tools is always going to be a good thing. There was a project and I don't know what happened to it or if it's still kind of in process, but the Tide project, and Courtney, you might know more about it than I, I do, but I know that that was, that that the initiative there was was towards raising the code quality of all of WordPress, not just, you know, core, but to make sure that, you know, the rising tide could raise all boats and, and kind of have some coding standards and coding um, 
practices and best practices uh, for the entire community. But not sure what happened with that, but hoping that that is still going on. Yeah, do you know what? I, I haven't even got a memory of that one. You said tide, not a single, not a single little tiny light went on. But Courtney's nodding her head like I should have known better. What? No, no, uh, I actually don't really know what what the latest is with tide, and that's a great thing. Maybe we can inquire about as a follow up from this. Um, the the tide team, I don't know, even had representation during the contributor day for EU. So. Um, certainly if it's a related area already, let's make use of that and tap into it. You can find info about them if you go to just make.wordpress.org and look for Tide at the bottom of the page almost, um, it would be in there. I haven't seen any updates or team meetings or anything like that necessarily happening from that group, but I could be mistaken. Um, what I would call attention to is that in the original post, there were some comments um, kind of starting to allude back to the Yoda conditionals post that was mentioned about two weeks ago. So if you think about Yoda, the character, Yoda says things in a reverse order than what we would normally say. And that is like how in PHP, sometimes the code is written in a way that you're flipping things around in the order. And so there's a proposal to let go of Yoda. <laughs> and as much as we love the character, to let go of Yoda in WordPress. And should we let go of it completely or no longer enforce that standard. I think it will be interesting um, as we're looking at plugins like this, um, as we're looking at a pathway forward for improving the code quality, there are many ways to code things that come out with almost visually the same end experience. To right. And so developers don't want to be boxed in um, by certain things, but there should be some code quality standards um, as part of that. And so I think that it's an interesting timing as we saw the Yoda post go out and that comment section really got quite heated and long. And I'm not sure if it's settled yet even um, to then follow up with this. And I think that there's good possibility. I see that um, I think of the plugin that Josh creates, um, Plugin Machine helps create plugins. Um, it is a tool to help create plug plugins. And uh, I've seen some of the other comments in there. My friend Scott Clark echoed in that this could be a great tool, especially for those that are learning plugin development um, to make sure that they're learning best practices along the way. So I see it as a good learning opportunity. Of course, I would say that, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're all about the learn. Um, Jen, anything on this? Uh, well, I could say as a developer, uh, having tools to kind of go through and just spot check because you know, when when you're writing, you get ideas, and then you go back to this section, and then you go forward to this other section, then you're back, and then forward, and then as you start to go through testing, it's possible that stuff slips through the cracks, and it's not intentional, but it, it happens. Right. And, you know, checking and automation type things can be great, but I do also get concerned if people are going to start kind of imposing restrictions you know um what was it last year there were several themes that ended up getting pulled from the repository for days or weeks due to wordpress changing the guidelines on themes and what was permitted and what was not permitted and then suddenly these themes that have been in there for years and years 
were suddenly just dropped from the repo basically overnight. And then it was weeks to get them back in. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The um, the the, the I, I, we probably should re-emphasize if it wasn't clear from what I said right at the outset that this is a proposal um, in order to get feedback. And on the screen at the minute, I'll just read you this point. This is uh, Sarah writing this. The performance team is requesting feedback from the community, particularly plugin developers, plugin reviewers, and the meta team. If they are able to reach a consensus, then Ants, which refers to Felix Ants from Google, uh, said that the next step is to design the infrastructure for the plugin checker in a GitHub repository. So just to be clear, we're not there yet. We are simply at the point where they want some feedback as to whether this is even a even a good idea. So uh, the post is called WordPress Performance Team Proposes Developing a New Plugin Checker Tool, and it was 5th of July on WP Tavern. Okay. Radio, let's move on to the next piece then. And uh, thank you to Zach as well, who's made a couple of comments. He said, uh, uh, Zach Stepek, that is to say, hello, Zach, how are you? Um, if this helps people build for performance at scale, I'm all for it. But then he goes on to say, uh, my question is, what will this do that a linter won't? Good point. Yeah, that is a good I point. I think thank you. this one is, um, so they're, I believe, proposing this. I could be mistaken, but I think they're proposing this as similar, uh, yeah, similar to the theme check plugin. So this would be a plugin sitting inside of .org. Um, and so for those, especially early at creating plugins, if you're building your own and testing it in your own working experience, you might not have it sitting in a GitHub repo if you're really at that point in your learning journey. Um, but it also might help raise some concerns with plugins that you might also have installed. So similar to how the Site Health Check plugin started in the plugin territory and merged to core later, um, I think that might be the pathway that I was yeah. saying that they're suggesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, good point. Um, I'm just going to announce at this point that Bob Bob's audio is basically causing him chaos. I, I think he's got some kind of sound interface problem and seems to be unresolvable at short notice. So he's 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 dropped out. So uh, that's sad. But we'll have him on another time. We were we were going to mention something which I'll probably do alone uh, later on. But uh, there we go. Sorry, Bob. I'm really apologetic. I hope it wasn't my tech failing but it appears that there's some weirdness on your end but uh, there we go so courtney uh, highlighted this piece which came out basically on the same day i imagine um sarah cribbed from this to to get it it's uh, at make.wordpress.org and it's felix's proposal for a wordpress plugin checker i'll include this in the show notes as a sort of ancillary piece and you can see more about the goals and basically i think it's what sarah was cribbing from Okay, uh, Anne McCarthy reached out to me last week uh, because she wanted to highlight this piece, and I think this is actually dead cool. I really like this, so of course I said yes. This is the um, this is the curating the editor experience, which is a, a subsection of the block editor handbook, and this is such a nice little piece because it may what it may do is it may give you some window into what's possible with the block editor even if you haven't yet encountered it. So all of these little incremental things just sort of drip in and every release, and you may not notice them. You know, there isn't great fanfare about a, a few of them. But this piece is called Curating the Editor Experience, and it goes to demonstrate all sorts of ways that you can, even today, but there's obviously a lot of work coming in the future, you can modify the experience of the block editor depending on what your use case might be. And 
a couple of these I genuinely had heard of, but I'd forgotten about them. So, for example, there are uh, in a, there are ways to to lock particular blocks, and you know, depending on the way that you set it up, you can enforce different kind of locks. But that could you know, have all sorts of useful uses, be able to lock a particular user role out of a particular function in a block and, you know, they can't alter, I don't know, a background color or something like that. You're also able to uh, lock patterns or templates, which I thought was kind of cool. And obviously, if you're looking at this on the screen, you can see code examples for how you might go about doing that. Uh, there's the option to lock on a per block basis, which I, I didn't hadn't come across this one. And the example that she's using here is the background color. I believe it was just like a paragraph block or something like that. And on, on the one hand, uh, on the left, we can see the full range of background color options available to a particular user role or a particular uh, user. And then on the right-hand side, something which is completely locked down. You basically get a choice of just two colors as opposed to an infinite array on the other side. So that's a nice use case as well. Again, coming with code examples. Uh, removing the ability to access the template editor if you don't want your clients fiddling with templates, which I imagine most clients probably wouldn't want to stray into anyway. Well, that's possible. Um, and prioritizing post content patterns for new pages. I personally think this is my favorite. This is the idea that when you create a new post, or actually a, a new page, I'm not sure whether it applies to, to posts or not, but if you create a new page, you're going to be walked through this kind of curated template experience like you find in a page builder or what have you. Um, in other words, start a new page, how do you want it to look? Should we just get you going with a basic layout that you've either saved away as a template or that you've you know you got from somewhere else? And I just think that's a really, really nice feature. We mentioned that at some point in the past, but it seems kind of really underused at the moment. And that's where it stopped for me. My favorite there, as I said, was the the content patterns for new pages. I I'm getting over that at the moment. I just created for, for various use cases, I've been saving patterns. And then I'm going to the plus button as soon as I start the new page. And then I find the appropriate pattern and I click the button. It's two or three extra clicks, but this would certainly be a lot better. So there we go. That was Anne's request for me to mention that. Again, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. If anybody wants to butt in, just feel free to be the first. No? OK. <laughs> I, I love that we're providing more and more ways to customize the experience for every individual WordPress site. So I just, I don't like the locking feature. <laughs> I keep locking, locking myself out of things. I think the locking feature is... I should be is, able to hack into it. Yeah, I think the locking feature is so, is so like, on, it, it doesn't really lock anything at the moment, really, does it? Uh, it sort of pretends to lock things and any more or less any user can come along and unlock it. But I guess it serves the purpose at the moment of, it's more of an accidental, I didn't mean to edit that. You know, you have to intentionally go in and unlock it. But what I think down the road when permissions come in and whatever granular level of permissions that, you know, like, for example, only the editor role can unlock this or, I don't know, the, any any particular role can unlock it. I think that's when it's going to become really interesting. But you can imagine like a jigsaw puzzle of all of these different locking features. Like if you can access certain templates with a certain user role and you can access certain blocks, but you can only access certain features within each of those blocks. You can imagine this becoming fairly granular on a case-by-case, website-by-website basis. You could give them something which they, well, for want of a better word, they can't screw up quite so easily. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's really important um, from a, when you're building sites for clients, having a way of doing that, I can recall ways of, um, I come from the days of using Headway and help manage their community for a number of years. And I would deliberately um, CSS out the access to the front of site unless they were intentionally wanting to go there. Uh, now that was 2014, 2015. These days, you know, you might want to give clients access as an admin to all the things, but still continue to say, unless you really intend to, because it can be easy when you are using full site editing to sometimes forget when you are in a post page versus in site editor. And so swapping layouts around and things, giving them that prompt, like, are you really sure you want to do this? Um, block locking will be helpful for. Yeah. And it's been out for a few versions now. Yeah. Um, the next version of WordPress will probably see nested block locking. Uh, my coworker, George Mamadashvili, is working a bit on some of that area in particular. Um, and so this one screen that we just saw from Anne, which is a great resource, of course, I want to see it and learn that WordPress.org. I, I can't help myself. Uh, but also, it's a good way to holistically look at. There was more there than just block locking. There were some settings about Duotone and some other yeah. things. And so um, it's a way of, of thinking through what do I want those who I'm building the site for to really easily have access to get at. Do I want them to have complete unedited access at Duotone where they can make their own colors and change things however they want. And I think back to my client who told me she was a graphic designer who really loved to have every color, each paragraph of text was a different color, Ooh. including yellow on white. Okay. Mm. So <laughs> do I want folks like that? Now, should I have clients like that anymore? Um, but do I want folks like that to have full unhindered edit access to designing things? Really depends on their budget. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess the, the the thing here is that we've moved from a paradigm where essentially you had the option to put short codes and basic HTML in the in the tiny mice editor. So really, the the, op, the, the capability to screw things up was not really there. Now the capability, especially with full site editing, it's so. Can you imagine the amount of phone calls that are going to be generated by? I I had literally have no idea what I did, but now it's all blue. Um, those kind of phone calls and the ability to lock things down so that you you simply cannot screw it up will be good. It we're not there yet, are we? But like you said, Courtney, it's a it's a jigsaw piece, jigsaw puzzle. All these different combinations of things that are coming. Tell me about the nested bit. So that would be you, you lock it at the top. Let's say you've got a tree of I don't know three or four children you lock the parent and all the children lock and is do you know if the intention is to be able to unlock the children individually or you know um, a la carte or just you can unlock the parent do you know how that's going so right now you can lock the layer that you're on okay and that's it yeah so if you get inside of those layers they're not locked that's right and if you want that ability to bulk maintain them that's the feature that is being worked on so that a block and a block and a block. Oh, this takes me back to the table days. Um, <laughs> building websites with tables, doesn't it? Like, oh, we had so many nested tables. Um, oh. oh, yeah. We don't want to go back there. <laughs> no. but, but you want to be able to bulk maintain if people can lock their the things. And so I need to, later today, I will probably publish something 
um, indicating, at least I'll put something on Twitter saying if I've tested this, how, where we are right now. I think that features of it might be in like 13.6, Gutenberg 13.6, maybe a okay. little bit 13.7. I'll look and see where we are. Um, interesting comment from Zach. I, I don't know if this is going to mean anything to anybody, but it means something to me. He says, does anybody else have a chemical bro have the chemical brothers in their head every time someone says block locking? <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, a mate of mine last, like, last Friday went to see the chemical brothers. I can't even remember where he went, but he went to see the chemical oh. brothers. I get it. I know where you're coming from, Zach. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, Jen, anything on this or should we move on? Um, I mean, I still don't use Gutenberg very much because I have seen clients attempt to use it and yep. it is basically, it, it would be like giving a cat Legos. It, it goes about <laughs> that well. I love that description. You, you, you literally have something that, that exists and then the cat walks over and then it's just, complete rubble after that in about three minutes yeah once i've let clients in with gutenberg so i'm not really letting still gutenberg's got too many yep. issues yeah no i get it you are basic... you are a significant proportion of of people i think and it's interesting because I, I i personally have now got the muscle memory of it um i know where all the boxes are i know what all the things do in the in the system that i like to use and it's totally working for me in fact for me it's quicker it's quicker than anything i've ever used before and i really like it but yes but how man alive was it painful it to get there yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and clients who are you know quite frankly a lot of uh you know just individuals who run their own websites um clients that i have at the agencies that i work for they they are in the back end maybe one day a month these people can't learn this complicated tool and this complicated way of trying to get things. They need it to be simple. And if it's not simple, they're, it's cat with Legos. Yeah, cat. well, just I do like that. Kathy, um, Kathy, I think, needs to come back at this point because uh, Kathy Kathy's works for a company who make a pretty sublimely cool uh, block solution. Well, it's a theme. It's a suite of blocks. And uh, if you play with that for any length of time, I think I think if you're like familiar with a page builder or something like that, because everything, because all the settings are just the same everywhere, you know, you drop a block in and it just looks familiar and the, the way to do the responsive is familiar and it, it doesn't take long, but you've got to, you have the commitment. And Kathy, I'll, I'm going to let you defend. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, I've been using WordPress forever. Um, when I first played with Cadence and what it did to Gutenberg for me, I changed my relationship with Gutenberg. Where I am now with Cadence, though, with what Ben has, and Ben is the developer who created Cadence and basically saw a new vision for what blocks could do. Um, he's basically going into like theming and templating um, with Cadence elements. And so you can basically set up advanced custom fields for a client where they can't really, they get the, the tiny mice editor back if you use a WYSIWYG uh, field for uh, like advanced custom fields. And you can set up an interface for a client where they can just enter in everything. And then you as the developer don't even, doesn't even have to touch a line of code. You can set up a template using Cadence Elements blocks that templates all that out. And he's given so much granular control over that. It was what my uh, Page Builder Summit talk was about. Uh, to be, I, what I've seen Ben develop here 
is so powerful because you can build out all of these templates and then give your clients just basic entry and it makes things so much easier and there's more and more things coming with that um he's um adding new ways of doing that for WooCommerce with the ShopKit plugin that he's developed. It's just, it's, it's become incredible so that you can give something very usable to a novice WordPress user where they can't get lost. It's like, here's your toggle, here's your checkboxes. You can bold if you want to with this WYSIWYG editor, but on the front end, major power that a developer can give to what a user has put in. So I'm, I'm having so much fun with that. It's like, oh, you just want to talk about a block? Let me show you all this templating stuff. Yeah, it's so much fun. it is a lot of fun, isn't it? So the, the elements are like, oh, I don't know, you, you, you might create like a, a header element and that becomes a universal site header or a footer, or you might create a single for a certain type of post type or what have you. Yes. And, you know, you yeah. want the heading to go here and you put in some dynamic, uh, you know, it just consumes the title and it goes in there and the featured image goes over here. And it's great, actually. So it's probably what you're familiar with if you've used, you know, page builders like Beaver Builder or uh, what have you. But it's now coming to the block editor and these solutions like Cadence are making it happen. Yeah, it's cool. Really, really cool. By the way, the talk that you did, but also the talk that Ben did, particularly the WooCommerce, and I forgive me, you've just this second said it and I've now forgotten what that is called. The Shop Woo kit, yeah. Shop, I just wanted to say site kit, which is what, yeah, Felix is working on. Yeah, um, the the shop kit. Oh, oh! I don't work with uh, e-commerce, and I've I've for a long time decided that's not for me anymore. But that made it all seem so tangible again. It was like, okay, click some click some buttons, and I'm back in the game. Uh, we've got a few little comments here. Oh, this must be about table layouts. It must be single spa pixel spacer GIF. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah, I remember that the too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that, Zach. Uh, and then Peter replying, table-based design, pixel perfect. Man, was it hard to get it oh. pixel perfect. I spent literally days, and it was all out of line by one pixel. Oh, there'd be like a black row of one pixel for just no good reason yeah right okay let's move on let's put the screen back on i want to mention now okay i'm curious about this i i don't know what you guys know about web3 i was given the the great opportunity to chat with automatics david Lockie. that's what this is this is a podcast episode um that i recorded at wordcamp europe with david david's got himself a, a nice new role at automatic and he is the lead for Web3, it's called the Web3 lead. And his job is to kind of figure out what Automatic's position and therefore by extension, maybe what WordPress's um, relationship is going to be with Web3. Now, my my conversation opened up a lot of a lot of different scenarios for me. I came out of it like really educated, but still really confused, I think, on some level as to what the use case for, for Web3 is. And I... Okay, so I can totally get Web 2.0. You know, I get the idea that you've got all these social networks and we're able to push things up into websites in ways that we never were before. And I get that really the trust of that has possibly been broken. And I get the idea that decentralized is kind of cool, the idea that no one person is in charge of anything and that everybody can look at everything and it's all on some kind of ledger which is open for everybody to see. I get all of that. The bit that I don't really get is why we need it. I don't quite understand yet. 
Um, and I'm so I'm just wondering, you three, you're on the internet all day, every day. You probably come across some of this news in in you know in TechCrunch and The Verge and all these other hacker news and Reddit and so on. You got anything that you're interested in in Web three? You know, are you buying and selling Bitcoin? Are you hoping to use WordProof to timestamp your content? Is is any of this exciting to you, or does it all seem like a bit of hype? Over to you. Yeah, it's it's really not exciting to me, and it does seem like a whole bunch of hype and. It's trying to decentralize a complete currency that eats up electricity to create it. I, yeah, I'm not a fan. <sighs> yeah, I mean that was the that's the one piece that's easy to sort of grapple with, isn't it? You know, the idea that currency was going to be it, it felt at least anyway that that you know go back like a year, two years, what have you. That's that felt like a really plausible use for the for the web3 um decentralized ledger everybody owns their own money and of course the problem with that is that everyone then the, can lose it yeah right literally you can lose it by having a house fire you know all of your machines are done you haven't got a backup anywhere and it's gone your little token for want of a better word which governs the what's in your wallet just evaporates and you know at least i i, I made the point to David on the podcast, at least with a bank, I've got like, well, there's the bank and there's all the employees in the bank and there's the history of the bank and there's the, you know, there's the, if one branch burns down, I it's still there. I can still get hold of it. And I, I don't know. I just, I just don't see the point yet. But projects like WordProof... I can kind of get hold of. I don't know if you've come across WordProof. This is like um, it's a plugin. You install it in WordPress, and there's a there's a blockchain. I don't know what it's called, which one they attach to, but um, let's say you post a piece of content, you can prove absolutely categorically that you did it first, that those words were yours, that that image was yours, that it. it and right, so. The proof bit I get, but I don't get the bit where suddenly it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a picture of a monkey. That's the piece that I don't get. The, the, the bit like, okay, that's mine. I own it, and I can prove that I own it. I could see how that could be used in a court of law to show. No, no, no. Honestly, I did it first. Look, judge. There you go. But you didn't necessarily do it first. You proved you wrote it down first. You didn't necessarily do it. Well, I guess in law that would be the same thing, right? You know, if you if you didn't take the trouble to make the effort to prove that you did it first, well then, nah, 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 tough. You know, you're just so you're it's just, so, so you're basically saying you have to be educated enough to know that you have to prove that you did it first to be able to prove that you, that you did it first. And there exactly is the problem for me. It's like a use case which you can you can begin to pile uses into it. But every time I inspect them a little bit and dig a little bit deeper, like you've just done, something comes up which makes you go, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't work that way. So maybe it's not so useful. I've, I've been thinking through this, and I don't have a compelling reason for cryptocurrencies as part of all of that. But if we look at the other pieces of Web3, um, some things that have been inspiring me lately I saw Yoast Devalk doing some research and wanting to have some schema markup indicating 
here are the jobs that I have done as part of schema markup. Um, without stealing the thunder of what's being the, the news piece that I am suggesting for our talk a little bit in a couple minutes. Okay. Um, uh, with WordPress, let's say that you go through the courses on learn.wordpress.org and that's attached to your WordPress profile. What if those courses were the training ground towards maybe Okay, cat's out of the bag. Certification is on the table. Okay, yeah, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> right? Yep. So, <laughs> so uh, that was my suggestion. There is an announcement post about certification. So what if Yoast is suggesting things like jobs, Yoast, Mr. Yoast, not the whole company, but Yoast is doing research on this. Um, also, if instead of selling art, maybe we're selling something else that is not just images. Maybe we're selling other digital creations that we have. I mean, we're in WordPress, there are themes and plugins. Um, what if maybe that process looked like I began this thing and yes, it's open source, but here is the track record of I did, I, here's my part in that piece at that point in time, because blockchain means that there's kind of a historical ledger of everything that's going on. So like web two, it took us until we were almost out of it to really get our heads around it with all of these APIs that could talk to each other. There was a great interview on, um, uh, I want to say it was the, from CSS Tricks, their podcast um, recently about looking back at web two and all of these things that how the average person didn't care about their bookmarks talking to Twitter or their um, audio playlist being available over on Last FM, and then friend feed putting all of this together, and all. So the average person didn't care about doing all the work. And why is this valuable at all? Um, and the idea of the open web, things like IndieWeb are possible already in WordPress. So IndieWeb is this suite of plugins. It does more than just plugins. It is a way of saying, if if I share my article out to Twitter, and then people link at it. I could get the comments from Twitter that they're talking about showing on my post. So I'm sort is this, of- Is this web mentions? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think all of these things kind of play together, right? So there's a lot of fast ideas moving that are there. And my interest in what's going on with Web3 is more about blockchain technology and less about the cryptocurrency, right? The idea of having digital footprint is not something new to technology education is my background. And so- creating our digital footprint, having a positive digital citizenship saying, here's all the things that I have done. This is kind of like my definitive version of a resume. This is me on the web. Um, and making sure that that presence is what you want it to be. That's really compelling. Um, the part yeah. that gets me a little bit weird, I think of maybe the, the crypto coverage, the same as in web two, we had all of these protocols and no one understood the value of why we're supposed to do the things. And ultimately, um, that created more of a walled garden. We saw less APIs talking at each other, uh, thinking of like Facebook events shutting down back in the day for a while. Um, having those events not talk to other platforms and connect the way that they used to because the average user didn't understand the value and then they saw some situations unfold security-wise with that. So we're early, but I think there's something really cool that's there. We just haven't quite fully wrapped our heads around it yet. You know, that's really interesting. The, the the learning management bit I thought was really cool in what you just said. And I hadn't really got there. That that seed hadn't planted itself <laughs> in my head. So the idea that, uh, let's say, a learning management company could categorically prove, you know, if somebody comes along and says, look, honestly, did this candidate actually go through this stuff? They can then say, oh, yeah, we can 
with 100% certainty guarantee that that happened. And then you get some sort of nice trade-off, don't you? You get trust built up and there's a nice little cycle going on there. I guess the piece for me at the moment is because it's early and all of it seems to be in separate little bubbles. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a cryptocurrency here and there's another cryptocurrency here and there's another blockchain and another ledger and they aren't talking to each other. It does feel as if it's just a technology looking for a use. But also, I think the piece which troubles me a little bit is that it seems to be already coalescing around fairly major companies. And the, the the sort of the notion of the web, the bit I think that appealed to me right at the beginning was this idea that it really was free for all and anybody could do anything. And it troubles me that um, that, that there'll be companies that are just basically in control of, like, let's say the LMS bit, or there's companies that are in control of this bit or that bit, and they'll end up becoming the next Google or the next Facebook and that bit kind of concerns me. I, I'm finding it very hard to articulate because I'm, I'm still in this sort of miasma. There's this cloud as to what it even is. But it, yeah, it bothers me. Kathy, it feels like you wanted to hop in. Yeah, I've been studying this stuff for a few years. Um, it, it comes down to trust and you trust that the bank is there, right? Right. The, right. the bank's going to be there. And you trust, and right now they're having a bank run in China somewhere. Um, you, you trust that your currency, you know, that you're going to go to the store and a dollar is going to buy you what a dollar is going to buy you. You trust that, that it's, it's all kind of this mental game of trust. And what I think Bitcoin was started to do is to take the trust out of the equation and to make things trust less because the network provides and the proof of work is what is providing that proof of transaction, that proof that something is true or not true. Um, and, and so this whole idea of trust um, kind of underscores everything or trustlessness. Um, and Ethereum kind of started the same way, but that added like smart contracts. So now you're not just trusting that a currency transaction took place. You're starting to trust that a smart contract, that a contract between two individuals or two organizations exists and it's in the blockchain and you trust the you, you're trusting that network rather than trusting the other person and having to go to a judge if there's any kind of disagreement. The network provides that judiciary type of experience. Um, what ends up happening, I think, with everybody's looking for the next trustless network, right? They're looking for the next network that's going to be like the internet that's putting the power into people's hands. And so that's why you're seeing like all the you know, the pets.com type of experience happening all over the place where you have all of these me too types of organizations right. that are trying to bring in the next trustless network where people can have smart contracts, where people can have agreements because people want to trust something when they're interacting with another person, but they're, they're scams. And there's people who put out their resume saying, yeah, I'm certified WordPress. Look at my resume, all these things that I've done. But do you, can you trust something that just because somebody puts it on a website or do you trust it because it's in a network that's trustless, that has checks and balances in order to say this is true and this is not. Um, so I think that, you know, we're kind of in the wild west phase of all of this where we're not quite sure what's going to be the best type of trustless network that we can trust. Um, so it's it's 
it's interesting. I love the idea that this is coming into WordPress. And I think, you know, what Courtney's describing is a perfect implementation where you can say, okay, well, we've got actual non-fungible um, evidence that something is true or that something is not, you know, that that can't be wiped from the record or it can't be fabricated. So I think that's what people are looking for. Our systems, you know, in the world right now are a little wobbly. <laughs> you know, we have presidents or prime ministers resigning and being a people are looking for trust and they're looking for something to trust. Um, and I think networks and this whole blockchain um, movement is kind of coming in in order to try to solve that. At least that's my theory. You're great conversation. I'm loving this. So, okay. So the intention here is, is, I, I just hadn't even thought about it in those terms either, Kathy. Is you want trust without trust, which is such a curious idea. I am. I feel that maybe there's a bit of me which is embedded in the old world where I like the idea of trusting a person because of like the history and the and the time that I spent with them and and the idea that an organization or a company has built up trust over a long period of time and I begin to trust that but but of course the personnel inside the company shift and it migrates and the trust could be absolutely eroded so you gave a really interesting example about prime ministers so you only have to go back three years and everybody was like oh you know fascinating and now where are we at you know it didn't take very long for the trust to be utterly smashed with a hammer um, well, power, people in power, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And we have situations, especially with currencies, with central banks and things like that, and politicians that aren't necessarily doing, you know, we need something else to trust. And I yeah, think I like the way you sidestep that, that. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that a lot of I think technology can solve a lot of these problems. You know, I don't necessarily. I, I think combined with bringing out the best in people, technology can kind of dovetail towards a better future. Yeah. Oh, this is absolutely fascinating. Okay, on the on the topic of trust, I'm going to put this website up because. I feel that at the moment, you mentioned that we were in the Wild West and the Wild West, you know, you watch the Hollywood movies. The Wild West is famous for, you know, a real lack of trust and people shooting each other all the time and, you know, rising to the top by dubious means. This is a fascinating website called, uh, <laughs> you've got to check it out. It's called Web3 is is going great. So Web, then the number three is going great. And this is a great example of how, how it's teaching me not to trust it because we what we appear to have is we appear to have a bunch of people in all walks of life who've figured out that there's money and let's just say what it is they figured out how to make money out of the, the 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 components the bits that make up the web three and so you only have to look at this thing you know it's a it's a uh, it's like an old-fashioned Facebook feed, so it goes down in time, and there's a post on the left, post on the right, and there's a post from July the 10th, July the 8th, July the uh, another one on July the 8th, July the 7th, another one on July the 7th, another one on July the 7th, July the 6th, July the... You get the point. Basically, there's multiple news stories every day about things which are going catastrophically wrong around Web3. So, it is not Web3 that's to blame. It's the implementations and the people who've done it. But it does feel to me if this if this keeps going, 
and we keep getting these stories and eventually they hit mainstream media, we're not going to trust these ledgers anyway, no matter how non-fungible they are, because you're just going to look at them with dismay thinking, actually, do you know what? I'm going to put my money in the bank because that's where I've always had it and it's trustworthy. And I don't care about what that ledger says about the status of this person's learning. I'm going to phone up their previous employer because then I'll speak to somebody. And yeah, so that's that's my moan. <laughs> Way. Web3 is going great. Also, I would draw this to everybody's attention. The uh, Basically, if, if you follow internet security, there's this guy called Bruce Schneier. And I think it's fair to say that if Bruce Schneier says it, it's probably true. Uh, he's that good. And, uh, and he's just recently put this piece out called On the Dangers of Cryptocurrencies and, I quote, the uselessness of blockchain. <laughs> so read this piece. Uh, I'll put the links in the show notes because it gives, gives you an idea. He basically says it brings nothing to the table, blockchain, that we don't already have with proprietary systems. So go and, you know, you can fight with Bruce uh, on your own time. But uh, there we go, two websites. Should we move on from that or are you, has anybody else got anything to say? I could do that subject all day. <laughs> We're going to move on. Okay, great. This is sad. This makes me a bit sad. Um, so Envato, you've probably heard of Envato before. They've got this whole uh, suite of different online products. They've got things like Code Canyon and Theme Forest and what have you. Uh, unbeknownst to me, they also had a product called Envato Studio, which a lot of people... Um, were making a, a decent living out of. So it, essentially, it's a bit like a community of freelancers who put themselves out there and, and vie for work, and you get your reputation built up over many years, and presumably your reputation um, is not in a decentralized ledger. It's in a centralized Envato ledger, and you you hope to get more and more work. Well, it's now it's now been decided by Envato that uh, it's going to go away. They're, they're obviously you know it's not being profitable for them, so they're going to lay it off, lay lay it into the ground. They're going to take uh, one hundred of the seven hundred Envato employees. I guess many of them are uh, connected with this Envato Studio thing, and uh, make it go away. Apparently, it's going to completely go away in August. So where are we now? We're in July. That's not very long. It's a matter of weeks. And the reason I'm raising this is because I just feel a little bit sad. There's probably quite a lot of people in here who are doing WordPressy things, you know, graphic designers, I'm sure, as well as other technologies. But I'm sure there's a lot of WordPressers in here as well. And their income is about to completely dry up. There's a uh, there's a chap here. Uh, what was his name? I've forgotten. I apologize. I can't find his name now. But I'm going to quote from somebody from the article. It's uh, on the WP Tavern. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, they said, it's not just bad, it's shocking news for me and all those who consider Envato Studio as a main earning resource. Uh, oh, it, his name, his handle is Wonder. Uh, how will I run my family now? It will take a long time to restart my marketplace earning again. You know how hard it is to approve and items now and sales are not guaranteed. I'm very much disappointed in this decision. So I am literally raising this as a piece of news. We're not going to change anything by talking about it. But I just feel a little bit a little bit sad for these people who've probably worked for years and years and years and you know built up work inside of their ecosystem and the rug has been pulled from under their feet. It's uh, very upsetting. I don't know if anybody's got anything they want to chip in on that. Um, I guess I can go because I 
gotten work off marketplaces for many years. So several years back, uh, Elance and another one combined into Upwork. And it was a huge, huge thing because basically you went from this, whatever your ranking was on those two individual platforms to a whole new single platform. And you had to basically rebuild up your rankings. You got to keep some of your history, but whole new ball game, whole new set of users. Mm. And so it was a, it, through a lot of wrenches into a lot of people's systems. And it's also similar to what um, a lot of companies have discovered today. For example, let's say they were to build up their presence on say Instagram and they build up their presence, they get this big presence and then they get hacked. And there's like nothing you can really go to on Instagram to get unhacked. It can take months many people end up just starting completely new profiles fresh. And it, it basically, it's, it's kind of the, it sucks, it's terrible, but if you don't own it, if you're using someone else's marketplace and you're relying upon someone else's marketplace, it's very similar to the old days of if you relied upon a specific bazaar to go and sell your goods and that bazaar shuts down, it burns to the ground, it's no longer gonna be there. You, you'd basically have to start fresh again. And it it's terrible. It's not fun. I've been there. I've done it. But it's it's kind of how, how it works when you set up on someone else's system and you rely on someone else to be your source of income. I feel like freelancing is, in many ways, the best thing that's ever happened to work. And I feel like freelancing, in many ways, is the worst thing that ever happened to work because you yes. know the I mean look at us all we're all I think it we're all at home maybe yeah yeah we're all at home that's so cool we're all at home uh this is fabulous you know and you can probably pick and choose your hours a lot more and so on and, and obviously if the work is international and these marketplaces are working for you it's fabulous but you 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 are probably not protected by any kind of employment law in the same way that you would be if you work for a, a regular company you know they'd have to give you some kind of statutory well Okay, where I live in the UK, they'd have to give you some sort of statutory sick pay and pay you if you were um, unwell for a while and and uh, contribute towards your pension and things like, you know, if they terminate your employment, they've got to give you a certain amount of time based upon how long you've, you've worked for them. So all of that's great, but you have to show up at nine o'clock at the door and leave at five o'clock and anything outside of that is no, 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 no. Um, we, freelancers don't have to do that. We can compete for work all over the place and but unfortunately, in this case, you sadly, some of these people, it would appear that they've become very reliant upon what became a real easy way of generating money. They built up their reputation, and it's now the rug has been pulled from under their, um, under their feet. That was really what I wanted to get into with this one. We haven't got a great deal of time left, but I did want to ask all of you individually what the best bits of freelancing are. Um, even if you're not freelancing anymore, you know, the, the bits that you perceive would be the best bits. For me, it's definitely the ability to be at home. I, I, I rank that as, in every way, I would fight for that. 
like that there is nothing that would come above that i just love being at home i can be here when my children arrive back from school most of the time and i can go and you know give them a snack and then disengage and come back up and carry on that bit i really love and i guess the hardest bit was always the finding the work the feast famine bit which i never as a as an as a free, freelancer website builder i never figured that piece out i was always constantly chasing my tail so anyway that's my bit let's go to to kathy i'm going to tell everybody in order this time if that's all right kathy give us your uh, give us your thoughts yeah being at home i i wouldn't be working a full-time job if they made me go into an off i would do something else being at home being i've been at home since gosh i'm old so like since the 90s um I'd started a freelance business and it was to be home and I stayed home and worked and taught my kids and homeschooled my daughter while I was cleaning hack sites for a while. And yeah, no, it's, it's being at home and having work fit into my life rather than me having my life sort of like sprinkled around the outskirts of work. You did the whole COVID thing like two decades early. I did. <laughs> yeah, the homeschool. The <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. What's the what's the worst bit? It's the the worst bit. Well, when I was freelancing and I had lots of different clients, it was like having lots of different bosses. Everybody thought that I worked just for them, and so balancing yeah. the demands and just having good boundaries was sometimes hard because I wanted to help them, I wanted to take care of them, but at the same time, it's like there's only so much you can do. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Okay, let's move around to Courtney. Best and worst bits? Best bit was um, my children, when they were very young, took three-hour naps eventually, got them up to that point, or they would do like an hour and then two hours <laughs> dinner. So in those newborn to two-year-old zones, um, when I was last freelance working, I worked either before they woke up in the morning or during their nap schedules. Um, I only worked during that specific time, and I was a contractor. Um, so in that case, I was providing support services for the events calendar and also, um, was subcontracting with a small business owner that built sites for schools. So it was a great fit for my availability. Um, I had done more freelancing before that independently, but I don't like to wear all of the hats. So the worst bit is the the wearing all of the hats. Right. And at the time that I had been doing that type of freelancing work, organizations like Codable didn't exist. So I believe the Envato one was more specific to the products that you could find through Envato, Code Canyon, et cetera. Um, whereas a place like Codable is WordPress experts in general. So yeah. um, I think organizations like that still have a great place. I think that if it's done in such a way that you're not beholden to that being your only source, but that they can help lighten the load for you from all of that administrative work was the part I hated doing. I just wanted to actually do the work and not have to chase down clients and all of the payment negotiations and all that other stuff. Uh, yeah, Codable take care of all that, don't they? If you're on that side of things, then they'll they'll deal with all of that for you, mm -hmm. which is quite nice. Thank you. That was really interesting. And Jen? Uh, best and worst. So, I mean, the, the best is, well, work from home, set your own hours, go take a hike in the woods in the afternoon um, while, you know, you're in between sourdough bread rises because I was baking <laughs> sourdough bread far before the pandemic. I've 
I have a 10 year old sourdough starter in there. That's very mature. Um, <laughs> and worst. Uh, the worst is clients and having to manage your own time. Uh, just because you, you have to basically kind of, in many ways you have to babysit certain clients and kind of handhold them through a lot of different steps. And you're like, I have handholded through this process 273 times. <laughs> and I'm kind of a little tired of it. Um, and just managing, you know, five number one priorities. Yeah. Yeah. I, which I totally... In some ways, corporate helped with it's kind they of gave me five number one priorities yeah it's kind of interesting that we've all coalesced on more or less the same thing like the home is the thing and the you know in some way shape or form the managing the client bit is the difficult bit there's a few comments coming on this so number one uh phil levine hello phil uh it says num plus one for working at home and being able to pick which clients you want to work with yeah that's so we're we're strongly on that side aren't we and um Samaj James, I think this is the first time we've come into contact. Hello, Samaj. Uh, as long oh, this, so this is going back to the original piece before we got into all that. As long as Theme Forest Code Canyon Graphic River and Video Hive stave, I'm uh, I'm a happy camper. I guess you're selling products on those marketplaces. And Beth says um, I did too. I work for a consulting firm based in Boston, working on teams across three continents. The biggest upside for me is is not working with stupid people <laughs> unless I want to. <laughs> Saying it like it is, Beth. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice conversation as well. Okay, we've got a couple more pieces. Do we have time? Yes, I think we do. Let's put this one up. Um, so this is very much related to that, and that's the reason I put these two one back to back, is that uh, I had a podcast conversation with um, Alex Standiford, who is actually a GoDaddy employee. That's right, isn't it, Courtney? He's a GoDaddy. At my referral, in fact, yes. Ooh, nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I genuinely didn't know that, but he, I actually, when I began the process of talking to Alex about coming on the podcast, I believe at the time, where was he before? Was he at Sandhills? Yes, yeah. He, he, so, yeah. working so, on affiliate WP previously. Yeah, so he, I think he was working there at the time. So in the podcast, I made that error and he corrected me and said, no, 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 I'm a GoDaddy now. He, uh, he just has the most curious life. So he's taken the bit that we've just talked about, um, you know, this desire to be at home, and he's taken it to the next level because Alex's home is a camper and... Um, and so what he does, he has, uh, he's got his family. So he's got his wife himself, his two children. Uh, I believe it's two, two cats and a dog. And they all live out of this camper. And I, I just got so deeply into the idea of doing this that we spent more or less an hour talking about the, what this was like and the inevitable ups and downs. Because every bone in my body when I was listening to him was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm so going to do this. I'm doing it tomorrow. And then it's like halfway through, I was like, any downsides? And out they come, you know. And then it was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing this. Just things like living cheek by jowl. You know, Alex has got to work hard. He's got a job. But he's, he's, he's in something as big as this forever, you know. So he's got to figure out a way to 
shot that noise out and make them go away. And so he's built a particular rack of equipment and he wears noise cancelling headphones and he's managed to isolate the space a little bit. And it's just fascinating. The plus side, though, is imagine waking up every day and looking at a mountain. Now, maybe that's where your house is anyway. But for him, if he gets bored of that mountain, just sticks the keys in the ignition and goes for a little drive and wakes up looking at a lake. And I, I was just so impressed. I just thought he was a fantastic person and a fantastic uh, represent, representative of what you can do uh, if you want to be a freelancer. I think, sadly for me, I think the ship has sailed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, Maybe not the camper van, but it's, it's a lovely episode. So it's episode 286. Search for that on the WP Builds podcast. I don't know. Again, sorry, uh, we're dwelling on like lifestyle stuff, which isn't typical for us. But if any of you want to come in and talk about that, feel free. I just, I just love the idea of it all. It was so nice. I just I live vicariously. Well, I was just going to say, I, was, I live vicariously through Courtney's pictures on <laughs> Facebook of her I, backyard. Yes. Of my backyard, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They're Courtney's like backyard is like loaded. this breathtaking. Yeah. It, do you know what, Courtney? Where you look like reminds me of Tuscany oh, in Italy. Mm, I am about 30 minutes west of Gettysburg, and Alex is supposed to stop by next time he is traversing through my neck of the woods. He's uh, in New England these days, so that's probably six, seven hour drive northeast even from here. Uh, but the next time he's coming through this region, um, because I live close to a major highway corridor, he, there is a campground that is a mile and a half away. So if you want to temporarily experience this, the campground is a mile and a half away and we could hang out in my backyard and you can watch the, the beautiful That view. sounds cool. I just love the idea of taking the house with you. It's like, oh, I'll come to, I'll come to your house in my house mm-hmm. <laughs> great, isn't it? but also like a that, that cleansing exercise of because he lived in a house he had a house and all the accoutrements just that process of like okay what do i really need we've got we've got i think it's i can't remember the number but let's say it's 200 and something square feet or something like that or it was i think i believe he's now upgraded to a model with extra square footage and whiz bang gadgets but the point is he's got a, a small amount of space so what do you need in life you know do, do you need this thing and this thing and this thing and that thing and how many plates do you need how many forks how many knives how many how many sheets how many sets of clothing all of that and uh what a liberating experience yeah thank you jen did you have something sorry i don't know i think did. it sounds fantastic for about four months <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll leave holiday, everything yeah. behind, just me and one dog, and and go for about four months. Forget the house, forget the family, forget all that. Go away for about four months, and after which point I'll be like, I never want to see these four walls ever again. Yes, yes, yes. You could do it as a rental, couldn't you? And just see if you uh, see if it appeals to you. There is something that very much appeals to me about this. I had a period of my life where I did things similar to this, but not quite the same. And it harkens back to that. I, I, I don't think my teenage children would thank me too kindly uh, <laughs> if we did this these days. Anyway, that was episode on our podcast, 286, and it's just absolutely fabulous. Um, 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 okay. Right, Courtney, you alluded to this earlier, and then we yeah. just sort of bypassed it. So let's get to it. We've got about five or six minutes left. Um, exploring WordPress certification. So we touched this in terms of the blockchain and all of that, but tell us. What are we looking at? Hugh Lashbrook on, uh, well, yesterday yeah. wrote this. So 
the for context, the the idea of the blockchain is not included in this. It's still yeah. I'm just pontificating about that one. Um, Hugh has published something that we already have alluded to in the training team's goals for 2022. In quarter four, we'll begin an official discovery phase process to explore WordPress certifications. It doesn't mean that they are definitive, that we have any set idea of how we're doing it. We're just beginning to look at this again. And by looking at it, um, he was indicating we should look over some of the things that Drupal has learned, what's worked and what hasn't from the Linux Foundation, from other open source communities as well. Um, I've been in touch with a lot of the Joomla folks to learn what worked and what didn't work in their organizations. It doesn't mean that we need to adopt exactly what these other groups have done. We're just exploring what have what can we learn from that discovery phase. Um, so if you've got ideas, thoughts, etc., drop them here onto this post in particular. The last time that WordPress community seriously looked at certifications was probably 2014. Uh, I want to say roughly around that era, and it got quite heated. I'm hoping for a little more decorum this time through. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say that. So um, the idea of certifications, it doesn't mean necessarily one definitive. Here is one certification that you can achieve through WordPress. It would be more along the lines like, what are the different types of certifications that we should have? For what purposes? What value would this be? From right. a former school teacher perspective, my world rocked whenever I realized that for lack of having official guidelines, I couldn't get the amount of WordPress training to make somebody uh, not make to to help somebody become proficient to get an entry level advanced support or beginner junior dev type of role because the leadership didn't have anything definitive to look at to make that training properly available. And when I look at the job pipeline situation, I see a lack of WordPress skilled folks that have all of these other assets as well that know the languages and WordPress. And so what does that look like? Uh, but there's a lot of roles that could use WordPress inside of many organizations or running your own business. And so what training do folks need for what purpose? And how do you know when you have achieved or reached a certain amount of proficiency? So go leave some That's comments. Yeah, perfect. So I will put the link to this piece. It's called Exploring WordPress Certifications, and it's over at make.wordpress.org. But I'll put the full URL in the show notes in the community section, and that'll come out tomorrow. So really just ideas at this point. We just want mm -hmm. ideas. What what does this even look like? As opposed to, you know, let's decide what the courses are exactly and what right. they're going to look like on the... Okay, perfect. Right. Thank you so we much. We will be conducting some needs analysis. Um, we'll also then start into more... So a needs analysis is a more formalized survey of many different types of organizations, different sizes, scales, could be a single person in any part of the globe, could be a large organization that has lots of training needs. So out of that, that needs analysis will help us form some of what's going into certification. So a thoughtful process of finding out in um, without lots of screaming, hopefully, uh, what we want to do um, as it relates to helping people get trained for the kind of work they would like to do and the lifestyles that it affords, like visiting your friends in a camper or going to work camp in a camper. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, you mentioned thoughtful. Well, yeah. from the sublime to the ridiculous, this is going to be our last piece today. The reason, 
don't even know. <laughs> Where's Bob? Know, don't even know what to say here. Uh, <laughs> the the reason that Bob was on the show is because we've decided <laughs> decided to do this project together. It all came about. I blame Bob basically. <laughs> we we went to the um, the Stella WP um, meetup and we were sitting next to each other having sushi, and Bob said, "Do you want to do a podcast?" And I was like. Yeah, all right. And then he, then it just sort of started. We had a few drinks and the conversation started to go. And so I bring you this. Uh, <clears throat> right. It's called it's called a shit show and we're, we're it's a podcast. I'm just going to read what it says. It says it's a podcast full of shit. Shit topics, shit hosts. It's all shit. So that's that's the gimmick. Me and Bob are going to get on a call. Basically, we're going to try and do it every single week. One of us has thought of an idea, but they haven't spent any time like putting any bones on that thought. It's literally an idea. The other the other of us have no idea what they are going to tell tell us about, and we just hit record and we see what happens. We did the first one, and uh, we did it about money. And it was quite funny. I really did enjoy myself. It was really, really good because he's such a great, he's such a great raconteur. So anyway, the reason that I'm mentioning this is if you're interested in this little silly project that me and Bob are doing, the URL is literally a shit dot show, which, um, you know, Subscribe if you're interested. Have a listen to a couple of episodes. We've only done one so far. We're going to record another one on Wednesday. If you don't like um, bad language, the word shit is about as bad as it gets. We don't really stray. And honestly, it's not It's not supposed to be an offensive term. It's that, you know, that word, the word. Think about what that word can conjure up, how many different meanings it's got. And there are literally dozens. And me and Bob now know pretty much what all of them are. <laughs> So, if you fancy this, a shit dot show. <laughs> Don't know if anybody's got anything they want to say about that. Probably my, not. My initial reaction was uh, it somehow evoked the memories of watching Waldorf and Statler on the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we were talking about we were talking about money, and we decided Bob and I have decided that all there should be a universal currency, and they should all have Muppets on them. And they should be called Muppets, and you spend Muppets. And the highest, we think, I think we decided the highest denomination would have Miss Piggy on it. Mm. So there you go. There's a mm -hmm. there's a sublime bit of a mm -hmm. synchronicity for you. So a shit dot show. That's it. We've reached the one and a half hour goal. Um, okay, there's a couple of comments coming in. Yes, indeed, Cameron, also known as WP Old Farts. Yeah, that domain wasn't available. <laughs> So we went, we went for this instead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love that approach, says Adam. It is a good domain. I was quite surprised it was there. And Zach says he loves it. So, oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, plug it too much. But I probably shan't mention it again. But there we go. A nice new little project. <sighs> thank you very much. Thank you to Jen. Thank you to Kathy. Thank you to Courtney. That was a thoroughly interesting conversation. I feel, feel like we went down quite a few rabbit holes that I didn't anticipate. And when that happens, I always feel, you know, like it was really, really worthwhile. So I fully appreciate that. Now, Jen, you don't know this bit, but I'm about to humiliate yes, you. I've been oh, here before. Oh, thank goodness for that. I always have to say it. And then I feel really bad for, for the guests. So would you mind giving us the, the sort of two-handed wave and Courtney and 
uh, yeah, Kathy at the same. We don't have to do it for long. That'll be enough. Thank you very much indeed. We will be back, Reese. well, in like one week's time. I can't honestly off the top of my head remember who's on, but um, we'll be back in a week's time. So thank you so much, Jen. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Courtney. Really appreciate it. See you soon. Thank you.